0: listening to us hopefully millions um this is marissa this is denise and we are are you there god it's us the book bitches and we are here talking about the final girl support group before we get into that we this is our first podcast so we want to do a little bit of like intro a little bit of like spice and dazzle so i oh, am not spice and dazzle spice and dazzle i'm the spice and the dazzle oh oh and good you are the oh no, it's fine so my name is marissa i am we're twins that's important because if you're like their voices sound eerily the same yes i like to say we um like i'm your ghost <laughs> you have my you have a ghost voice. Yeah, so I'm your. Ghost what is the voice? movie? The movie Ghost. Who is the? You really <laughs> had to ask what the title of the movie was. Like I saw it in your face, oh and God. it's literally called Ghost. The movie I'm Demi Moore, called... and you're, who's the, opposite the villain? Of her? No, <laughs> I don't, even I don't know that... want to be Patrick that guy. Swayze was a redhead with six a six pack. That's suspicious. He was not cute. His six pack was not cute either it was like an 18 it was he was villainous so we are here we want to do a little bit of an introduction um and we want to talk about the books that we're reading this week before we launch into the main act which is the final girl support group um this week i actually finished where the crawdads sing and you know it's it was so, part of the Reese's Book Club. It was part of Reese's Book Club, and I'm a little suspicious because sometimes I don't like Reese's Book Club choices. That's just me. I, I know do I've love I've ever read any of them. I do love Reese Witherspoon. She's a great white lady. Like, in anything that she ever has to be a white lady in, like, she's amazing. But I... And then I was also weary because the book is described as a thriller and a coming of age, and the synopsis on the back said when two young men from town become intrigued by her wild beauty i was like "Mm, this is gonna be so cheesy so was it a thriller yeah it was it was well it was like a mystery i would say it was more like a mystery there was not really no definitely not it was actually very good I was pleasantly surprised by how much I liked it. Wait, so we shouldn't be su- like no. suspicious of her book club picks? No, no, no. I okay. think we can trust them okay. going forward. Okay. Um, and then I actually started this one that you recommended me, Small Sacrifices, A True Story of Passion. And murder, but I want to know the passion part because so far it just seems like she shot she shot her kids. So, no, there is like it, It's is like it tied a up man? to an, aff- like yeah, oh it's tied up God. to like an affair or something. What's with these women and, well, killing? No, what's okay. with these women being like? You know what? Dating a guy, I should definitely just kill my kids. I guess they don't That's have a so better weird. reason. I don't know. I guess reason. my thing is, I was intrigued because she sounds like a freak. Like if you ever in the like, sheets, no, <laughs> just in general, ever, like a regular. I think freak. um on my favorite murder, they talked about her, and they were like, "If you ever watch her interview, she's fucking weird." Oh my god, I'm so okay. So what are you reading this week? I finished a bunch this week. Right now, I'm currently reading. All right, don't des- brag. All right. <laughs> desperation by Stephen King. I have no, it's such an, a love for Stephen King. It's an oldie but a goodie. And I feel like, you know, like Dear a- audience, we went on a easily two hour conversation rant about Stephen King. Not because we we like we adore no, Stephen I'm just King tired, in this. House. And this and this book proves it. Like I'm tired of people saying he only wrote his good shit in the eighties. Because I think this one was from the nineties. The thing is with Stephen King is that people will be like, Yeah, he wrote Carrie the Shining, Cujo, what's the one with the car? Christine. I've never seen it. Those are his earliest, and I think most... Like, they are scary, and they're very, like, seminal works, but Stephen King came out with some good shit. Some of his short stories... I recently read Bazaar of Bad Dreams, and I think it came out in 2015, and that was very good, and that was his short stories. Yeah. Based on this week, I would say... If you are listening to this, I would recommend Where the Crawdads Sing. That was actually quite good. And you would recommend... I would definitely recommend De- um, Desperation if you like Stephen King and if you feel like you can get through a 500-page book. Yeah, it's long. So, today we're talking about the Final Girl Support Group. It's by Grady Hendrix. This was actually a recent release. I picked it up maybe like a week after it was released because I was very excited, but also forgetful. So I knew that it had been released uh, July 2021, and I think I picked it up maybe a week later. Um, I saw it in Barnes & Nobles. It caught my eye. It became the star of the show. I carried it around with me like a baby because I love Grady Hendrix. We both love Grady Hendrix. He's a horror author. He also wrote an anthology of like 70s and 80s horror novels as well as a cookbook with his wife yes so let's talk about this book let's talk about the premise um we are introduced to a literal support group and it's created for final girls these were the girls who (sighs) killed off the killer can i actually also interrupt you really quickly okay sorry we're gonna talk about the premise But when I was buying this book, mind you, it's a new release. And I didn't look into it because I just knew that I loved the author. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I was just going to buy it. Like, I wasn't going to... I had a vague, very vague sense of the premise. And the girl... You were there. The girl at the Barnes & Noble checkout was like, so what is it about? And I was like, oh, it's about a support group. And she's like, yeah, I gathered that. And I was like, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I haven't read the book. Well, and she referenced a movie. Yeah, then she referenced a movie that I'd never heard of in my life, even one time. (laughs) And I was like, Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Barnes and Nobles girl. I'm so sorry. I had no idea what you were talking about. You also kind of came at me sideways. Like, why? Don't, like, you what know was what? that about? But here's the thing. You gotta be like me. Wear your sunglasses inside, and then people don't try to talk to you because they think you're in a hurry. You know what I want to do? You know do? what? You sometimes <laughs> I, just, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> so our premise: We are introduced to the final girl support group and that is literally what it sounds like it is the final girls aka the girls who killed off a killer and survived to tell the tale and they are part of a support group. Grady Hendrix has created this universe where the final girls of these horror movies are real and they are now and have been for 15 years plus been part of a support group run by by a therapist we follow our protagonist Lynette. Her character is very similar to Jamie Lee Curtis's in Halloween, um, and then also like in the most recent Halloween, she's hyper vigilant and she's pretty obsessive about staying safe, staying secure. The major catalyst of the story is when Adrian, a major final girl, is murdered, and Lynette's fears are realized. Someone is targeting. The final girls. (laughs) I'm going to go back to the Barnes and Noble. Okay. It was a good issue. Part of the issue with that was that I had no idea what this title meant because I felt like I was reading separate words that I all know what they mean separately, not together. So the title of this book, The Final Girl Support Group, you would have to know that the final girl is a trope. For it to make sense. Well, or you could be like me and just <laughs> never question anything. <laughs> just go with it. Just have no curiosity in that or the world around me. That's why when she asked me, what what is this about? I was like, I definitely know that support group is in this. I'm going to say that. She was real sassy about it, but it's fine. It's, <laughs> she was so saucy. The final girl. So if you don't know, if you, dear audience, don't know, the final girl trope um, is basically, yeah, what we are talking about, which is the idea of you have these girls who have survived the entire horror movie. A lot of times they're like the virgin, the more pure girl, which is sexist, but it's okay. We're going to talk about that. Give today. us an example. Yeah, so I have a couple of examples. Um we did mention Jamie Lee Curtis because who doesn't fucking love Jamie Lee Curtis? No one. I love Everyone Jamie loves Lee. Her, especially in true lies. She's so hot in true lies though. <laughs> like it's she's really hot hard. And her, she's hot in Freaky Friday. She is. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Long hair, short hair, medium hair, young, old, making activia commercials. No, wait, what is is it Activia? It's Activia. Activia commercials. And they do work. For the final girl trope so jamie Lee curtis is one of the ogs if you've ever seen any of the 19 halloweens that exist there's so many we, we, will, we will not look it up it. she obviously is the survivor um we actually just re-watched halloween recently and that is a good movie like the cinematography so good jamie lee curtis and her 70s outfits Another significant final girl, well, I don't know about significant. I think it's just because it's one of my faves, is Sydney Prescott. Ooh. And I don't know if her name is Nev or Neve Campbell, so if I interchange it, just go with it. That's something, something that we, we could, could have, have also fact-checked, fact-checked. <laughs> but I'm not going to. So, she's the final girl in Scream. Imagine just for, like, one second. Just imagine. Just imagine you're in no. high school. You're a virgin. That's fine. No big deal. Well, I was until 23, so... It's a little, but a lot. Okay. It's a lot of information. Sorry. No big deal. But imagine that you're just a girl in high school. You're just trying to figure out how to get through high school. This guy's murdering people in your town. That, yeah. Your boyfriend is a freaking weirdo. Well, I wouldn't have a boyfriend. You guys have sex. (laughs) You guys have sex and he turns out to be a freak. I would hate that. Anyways, so I love Scream. Um, I think it also in itself is just, it's a great, it's just a great seminar. It's work. also, like, subverting. Yeah, it's subverting a lot of the genre. But, but it's also, like, adhering to it. Yeah. It's she's really a great, she's a great final girl in it. She does a really good job of, yeah, her the, weird boyfriend. The I can't. woman at the end of guess she's a teenage girl at the end of Friday the 13th who was killed Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the next one. Oh my gosh, that's so tragic. That's a bummer. I get so mad because I'm like, really, you survived the whole first movie just to get murdered right now? But we have these final girls, and so if you've ever seen any of the classic horror movies, you've more than likely seen a final girl in action. Or at least you're familiar with the idea. But if you didn't know that it had a name, it's a trope called The Final Girl. Well, and I appreciate, because you read the book first, that you said, hey, um, before you read this book, check out this trope, and I think you'll, like, like it will help you read the book. And it did. It kind of added a nice, like, richness to the reading experience, because I was like, oh, I understand what he's referencing. Mm-hmm. You know what we forgot? Nightmare on Elm Street, girl. Oh, my God. I can't remember her name. I don't remember. Dana? I'm making that up. Diana? <laughs> Dina. I'm, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. I know Johnny Depp's in that movie. And Little he's hops. hot until his insides are splattered. <laughs> around the room that's disgusting you know that movie stresses me out because everybody has to sleep so it's not something that you can avoid and i know that's the point that they're like man what it'd be like if they were like what do we make haunting drinking water just something that you have to do breathing (laughs) jamie lee curtis is also considered a scream queen queen we've talked a lot about jamie lee curtis i don't know why but other than the fact that i have such an affection for her. And I have a sexual affection yeah, for her. No, you do. But that's okay. <laughs> I love her. I love her old. I love her young. I love her in True Lies. Like, that's all you need to know. She's so gorgeous. It's just hard. I love her in Freaky Friday. <laughs> I love her. I okay, but so I also. So Friday. I love her in Freaky Friday. But I also feel like I also Lindsay love Lohan's Lindsay Lohan. clothing choices. Made such an impact on who I am today. And I I, believe. I I can't even. No, 100%. I can't. No, right. I will not. I'm not going to elaborate, but you know it's true. So we love the trope that he surrounds us with. Well, one thing I really enjoy about this book is that you have the six girls that are the final girl support group, and he goes into their backstories. And I think if you are someone who likes classic horror movies, You will really like this book because he riffs off of a lot of movies like Nightmare on Elm Street, like the Halloween franchise, like... What was the other one? Friday the 13th. Like Friday the 13th. And some people may be like, he's ripping it off. But no, what he's doing is for the stories, he's taking them and he's giving you the after Of what comes when you are the final girl. But not only is he giving you the after, he's giving you the people actually involved. Because those movies, they give us these girls. And they say, here's what a girl is. But this is not what a girl is. They're just like these carbon copy... what did we get for two Jamie We didn't get anything. She was good at babysitting. I mean, it's always like... And that, she was scared of everything. The thing that I really enjoy about the final girl trope is one that you end up with these very, like, these women who essentially kill the killer. Yes. They outwit the killer. And... Yes, strong women. We're here for it. But are they but strong, strong if get they there, have nothing That's going what I'm saying. for them? To get there, a lot of times, we have very flat characters. Not on the fault of the people who are acting it out, but I would say on the fault of the writers. 100%. Because they're not giving them much of a characterization. If we look at the OG Halloween franchise, she's good at babysitting. She does what she's told. They make the comment that she's like a Girl Scout. Whatever. She smoked weed one time, but... Did she enjoy it? She did. Actively, (laughs) no. And and if you look at Scream, it's the same thing. She's the good girl. And a lot of our final girls, you know, there's the joke of, like, the virgin is the one that stays alive. The one that has sex is one of the first to die. And that's true. Right. But they're also the most boring. They are easily the most boring. They're like the most interesting thing about Jamie like, Lee Curtis was that she's like six feet tall. Or maybe she's not that tall, but she looked really freaking tall. No, I thought she was tall. She's a tall woman. woman, right? Yeah. Jamie Lee, if you listen to this, because we've mentioned you so many times. We don't want anything from you. We just Denise we want to thank you for your service. You. <laughs> Denise. Yeah. Your service to mankind and Denise. Yes. When you have these final girls, I think he does a really good job of playing on this trope, but also kind of revealing, hey, here's this trope. um, Here's what comes after. And here's the real people who are involved yeah. in your trope that you, that we consume as a culture. No, exactly. So we have these really well-written women characters. Yes. How, give me some insight. What do you think that Grady Hendrix does that makes them well-written? Okay. So here's my thing, right? So Danny, love mm-hmm. Danny, lesbian. That's right. something unexpected from a final girl. Fair. First of all. Yeah. Um, totally. but it's not just that she's a lesbian. She has a wife. She's going through some shit cause her wife's dying from cancer. Mm-hmm. She, you know, they live on a ranch. She's very stoic as a person Um, and you just get a sense of a real person you don't get a person who is just through this trauma and we're done with the movie and we're like yeah she did an awesome job she killed the killer fake female empowerment Mm -hmm. we get a real sense of a person under there but not only with Danny I'm thinking of Julia Mm -hmm. who was supposed to be Sydney Prescott Like that, her aftermath, her aftermath was, you know, she got her graduate degree. She's very social justice oriented. She's also disabled because her second boyfriend who was riffing off the first boyfriend (laughs) murderer. um, She had to jump out out a window to kill him. But two freaking weird boyfriends. No, I I refuse. I've dated many weird boyfriends. None of them have killed me or tried to kill me. So yet. She's disabled and she's in a wheelchair. There's her aftermath, but also you get a sense of this person um who's very full. Full as a character. As a character. Yeah, I think one thing that Grady Hendricks does really well is make these characters almost unlikable in some ways. Um, Heather? <laughs> yeah, so you have Heather, who is kind of similar, her serial killer was the Dream King. Mm-hmm. Similar to a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of vibe. And she's a drug addict. And also very reactive. Also very unlikable. Just kind of a bitch. Well, and she takes advantage. She takes advantage of people. And yes, she was a final girl. And so she definitely milks that. But mind you, this is what, like 30 years later? You know who was weirdly complex and you weren't expecting? It was Marilyn. And she was the final girl that riffed off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was a good one. Yes, I've her actually story, never seen that. Her movie, story by the jacked way. me up. Her story was it, like awful. made me sad. No, I know, but she was very complex because on the surface she's this um, rich. She married rich into a Republican, very like, like. Southern. But then at almost. the same time, she's very committed to these fundraising parties that she's not just doing for the party. She's literally doing it. So people donate to these causes. She's invested in, like, these liberal causes. But then also, alongside of that, which I thought was interesting, she is very invested in the group. Like, you... You yeah. Know, she doesn't like, as much as she's like, I have my money and all this stuff, she's not like separate from it. She does very much care about the group. And you get the idea that she's very practical. Yeah. Also, and she does help Heather. I quite liked her a lot. Who takes advantage of, of her. her, she all the knows, time, but, but she, knows. she does take care of her. I mean, we didn't get her because she's dead, her full character. But Adrian. we have Adrienne. Savvy businesswoman. And you freaking love Adrian. She's a savvy businesswoman. She's also a black woman. And I thought, and Grady Hendrix also must have thought it was interesting, but he made her a black woman. It's very intentional because have you ever seen a final girl? In more of the classic movies, I think now that they're going to, we're moving into, like, people of color being in movies. Post Jordan Peele. Yeah, post Jordan Peele. We may see more of this, but have you ever really seen a black final girl? No. No. We have Adrian, who's also an incredibly interesting character, and she has this interesting side story of... What was hers, a riff on? Oh, it, it was, was Friday the, Friday the 13, 13th. And they so they made movies based on those events, didn't include her, didn't try to pay her out, and of course cast a white lead for the first few films, she took them to court. She sued.
1: She Because won, it's her story. She won the rights she to the movie. And then she
0: kept a white woman as. Well, and then she continued that movie because franchise. she knew what would sell. She knew. Yeah. And it's so savvy of her. But then she took her money. And went on to well, put I it into she... these other foundations that she was using to help women and girls. Well, and she actually went back to the camp where her yeah. her, her story happened. And redid it. And, re- yeah, reopened it. You know, you like Adrian because through the description that you're given of her as, well, she's dead. So she's the character that's killed off at the beginning. But through the description that you get from Lynette, who freaking off her rocker this whole time. You get an idea that Adrienne is not only practical, she's very kind. Well, she's She's the rock for the group. She's the rock for the group. And that's something that also plays into Lynette's fears. So to get to the premise of the story, Grady Hendrix introduces this catalyst of we see Lynette. We're following her character this entire time. She, again, is the one that riffs off of, like, Halloween. Hers was the Santa Claus killer. He killed her family on Christmas Eve. She leaves. She gets to group. Danny makes the announcement. This is my last group, and her wife's dying. Her wife she is she can't dying. Ma- she can't have the her time. Her wife is literally like not like not dying. Like oh, it's a slow prop. Like she's on the brink of death, and she's like, I can't do this group any time anymore. She lives on a ranch like two hours away. It's just not. It's, it's a not- whole half day expedition. And do you want to waste half a day going to a therapy group you've been in for fifteen years or be with your dying wife? Right. Like so, Lynette's already losing her shit. Over this, and in this, Lynette, this entire time was like, no, we're doing this support group for Heather, the drug addict, and then everyone's like, no, Lynette, it's you. You are the most unhinged, and you can see that in her thought process and the way she makes decisions. And she is very hyper vigilant. On well, what fronts does she have outside the the support group? Her Absolutely plant? nobody except her plant. And so we have Lynette, who you're introduced through that situation. At the same time that this is happening. Their phones are going off. They're trying to figure out where Adrian is. And then you find out Adrian has been murdered. And Lynette is realizing somebody is coming for the final girls. Now, you may think, as I did, that is quite a leap to freaking logic. I mean, you did, and so did the entire final girls of our group. <laughs> Everyone was like, okay. Lynette, well, please. They were like, why wouldn't this just be an isolated incident? And she's like, no. And she goes through the motions of her entire escape plan in the next, like, 30 minutes. So she's an interesting character for sure. Women characters are very complex and can be incredibly unlikable. And I told you this before. One of my favorite books is Gone Girl. And I told Denise, I was like, if I could reread a book for the sheer shock factor, I would reread Gone Girl. Oh, my God. The first time I read that book, so I remember you told me one of my professors said this is going to be a modern classic, and I was like, eh, whatever. I had the same, no, I had the same one, because, you know, you see a book everywhere, and you're like, this could be good, or this could be bad. Right. I remember reading it and thinking, this is a pretty run-of-the-mill thriller, until they did the little twist, and I was like, gee, oh my god. And if you saw the movie, the movie is so not, the it's not the book. And I know people will say that, I get it. Here's my I get thing. it. No, um, I understand. People will be like, oh, "The movie will never be like that. I just think that everyone collectively knew Rosamund Pike was hot as shit. Yeah, yeah she and we were was. like, yeah, the movie was just as good. It's not, but the movie was. Rosamund Pike's great. Rosamund Pike was, Excellent. was Amy. She like, was. She like I. If we could remake that movie, not that I. I don't think they're ever gonna touch what the book did for me, but. If we I re- remade could. the movie, it would be Rosamund Pike for me every time. Well, not to be funny, Ben Affleck was great. But you could have put in any sad white man. Sad white man could have done that. Literally any sad white man. But one of the things that I like about that book, and it's... <sighs> Gillian Flynn just does it for me every time. If you know anything about her as an author, she's written more than Gone Girl. But she capitalizes on unlikable women. In an interview with her, she said women can be unlikable. You can, and hate, she, you can hate that. Well, them. and I think people were like, Amy's not a feminist. She's not a real feminist, because this was very much, she tapped into, like, a good time with mainstream feminism. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she's not supposed to be, like, your feminist hero. She's supposed to show you that feminism says women can be unlikable in books and they can be interesting and they can be written about in this way because don't let don't let me lie to you amy was unlikable but she was one of the most interesting villains i've read about in a minute and so what i think grady hendrix does really well but he's a little more comedic julian Flynn is straight up like let me show you the dark side of humanity he's like let me show you the dark side but let's laugh a little here are these women characters that are more than two characteristics and you know what? I really like that there's almost, like, no sexuality to it. I know that sounds crazy. I think sometimes... But no, but I think kind of a that idea, second. women harnessing their sexuality, that is very much part of Super mainstream empowering. feminism and empowerment right now. It is, but um, it's also I like, don't hey. always... Th- I don't think of my... Well, I'm not a woman but you know i don't always think of myself in she's terms of binary sexu- yes. sorry to be clear um in terms of they're sexuality non-binary. oh my god i said she's non-binary no i mean <laughs> and it then i had to change it i mean could you could run the gamut with pronouns that are that i'm fine with so i don't always want to empower myself through sexuality right yeah it and gets i a little, think sometimes it's also trite i think a lot of man writing women took that as that they're, they're like, like oh yeah sexy women <laughs> And then I'm like, okay, so you're just being misogynistic in, like, a way that seems empowering. interesting. Here's... Grady Hendrix could ultimately write me as a character. I remember reading one of his books, Horror Store, and the character in it reminded me of when I was working at Walmart and how fucking shitty Walmart was, but also how crappy of a customer service person I was. Hey, working at Walmart sucks everybody, so be nice to them, because you don't understand... You don't under you don't understand. You don't understand. <laughs> oh my god! And as a cashier, it's like you get you have so much face time with customers at Walmart. It's bad. Yeah,
1: they, get, try,
0: they try to scam you all the time. No, they would try to scam me while I was I wasn't even a cashier. People <laughs> would just try to scam you to your face. I worked in the infant section. People would le- leave literal soaked piss diapers everywhere because they'd be they'd open a package of diapers they would not buy the diapers (laughs) they'd just open them wait what yeah people would open packages of diapers change their baby leave their piss diapers
1: they All don't have to the leave place. the diaper. No, they
0: would. They. I'm not no, so mad about the stealing would've. of... Here's my thing. I'm not so mad about the stealing aspect as much as they could throw the diaper away. Yeah, no. I'm, I was mad about the general disrespect of me having to touch human fecal matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's more, the part. Like, that's the cherry on top. And I would just... Like, I became dead to it. I wouldn't even register. Like, I would just be like, oh, God, shitty diaper. Just another day another diaper another dollar but i was working for minimum wage which at the time was $8 Do you know what happened to me Near, a lot nearly as a enough. cashier oh my god the $8 and then remember when minimum wage went up and you had already gotten to $10 oh that was didn't such a raise your was, salary at all such a scam anyways are you okay pay people a living wage <laughs> if there's anybody that works for the government just let them know i said that I make the rules. With hate. Okay, same <laughs> With like... disdain. Um, okay, sorry. Let's go back to um... we were talking about Oh, no. So what he does, though, and this is what I was saying. So Grady Hendrix also wrote a story, horror story, which riffs off the idea of you working at, like, an Ikea general customer service. And the the main character in it is like, I fucking hate this job. And I love that. You know why? Because I related so much to the idea of working with customers and how ridiculous it can be and how awful it can be. But you know what I also really liked was the idea that she also had to interact with people who really fucking liked their job. Oh my or god. who worked really hard at their job. People loved working at Walmart. They would work so hard and I'd be like, god, freaking $8 an hour in crumbs? I think I, when I left Walmart, I was making 10 dollars Such a weird number. I was making and I ten fifty. And no... Did I make more than you? Yeah, cashiers made more. Oh yeah. If there's any Walmart executives listening to this, that's why your employees don't give a shit. No, really. But what I like is this idea that you can be empowered through other things. Yes. Women and sexuality. I'm here for it. I love it. I I don't think that should be the only thing that when people think about feminism, we think about that. We should think about women being full freaking people. Denise has two chihuahuas. They have attachment issues. They're not issues. They just know that I'm always there for them. And we love hugging. (laughs) She has the tiniest chihuahua in the world, and all they do is freaking hug, and it's just sickening because she can't even be without her for more than 20 minutes at a time. It's because she knows I'm here, so she's like, well, I just heard her sigh outside the door. <laughs> she's like, well, going something. mother, I know you're here. Hello. Scratch, scratch, scratch. No. Yeah, so Grady Hendrix, women characters, we love it. So let's talk about Grady Hendrix as an author. Okay, so here's my thing. I think he has a depth of knowledge and it It shows in how rich his novels are. Mm -hmm. And he has not written only horror novels. Like you said earlier, he wrote a cookbook with his wife. Um, He also wrote co-wrote a novel about kung fu Mm -hmm. in the film industry. And I really think that that combined with like the different places that his horror novels go and the different things they talk about just kind of hint at how much research this man does to write amazing novels. Um, because I know Southerner's Guide to Slaying Vampires is all over the place, all over on Book Talk right now. Um, but I think We Sold Our Souls is really an interesting study and not only just a really unique horror novel but also something that is researched because he's talking about metal. Yeah. So I remember when we so three thoughts came to my mind while you were talking. Okay. Three all very disconnected, but oh, I Oh good, go good, through good, them. good. Okay. Um We Sold Our Souls is another novel that Grady Hendrix wrote. It's if you ever pick it up, it's really cool. He he's really good at designing book covers too. I feel like all of his and book I love that his publishers quirk publishers. they quirk ca- publishing yeah, very just, quirky. They just like let him do what he wants. The book cover for We Sold Our Souls is styled in the way of the Rolling Stones magazine. Yeah. And that book itself is about metal. It's a horror story surrounded by metal and its mythology if you're not someone who's familiar with metal so the only reason i know this is because i've watched so there was a series on i think it was mtv or vh1 that was like the history of metal do you remember it was that, that guy that did that, his that like that dissertation masters or doctorate yeah. thesis yeah and he went through like the history of metal but one thing that i remember very distinctly because i thought it was so interesting was that a lot of metal especially like european metals they have a lot of like nordic and, like, Norse mythology as part of the storytelling that comes with metal. And I don't care for metal. It's not my thing. It's just not my thing. But I do like that it's very lyrical and it's very story-like. And Grady Hendrix leans hard into the storytelling mythology of metal in We Sold And that's Well, and that structures the story. Yes. And I really like that. And also, just a quick thought... I love it's Spinal Tap that they did talk about that mythology thing with the little sculpture Spinal that they Spinal Tap talked. is so funny. <laughs> okay, sorry. I freaking love Spinal Tap. Yeah. That movie's hilarious. It's like it's so, so weird. so stupid. It's so weird. Oh, <laughs> British people, you guys are funny. I think about like that, and then I think about Shaun of the Dead. Oh, my God. I think Shaun of the Dead is what made me who I am as a person because I saw that in middle school. Is that in Lindsay Lohan? Yes. So both of those things are inside of me. (laughs) So we have... Grady Hendricks And again, going back to the intense amount of research this man does, he also wrote an anthology that covers 70s and 80s horror novels. He co-wrote He co-wrote, it, co-wrote right? that. Yeah. Because, and the way we found out, this is what occurred to me when you were talking earlier. Mm-hmm. The way we found out he co-wrote that was because we, we did a review on it on our bookstagram and the co-author was like, hey, I co-wrote that. <laughs> And I was like, oh, cool. And then I actually looked on his page because I was like, this is a scam. I assume everything's a scam. No, that's until fair. I did correct. too. I did too. And then I went and looked and I was like, oh, no, this guy actually did do it. Very cool. But. It's kind of fucked up, though, because it's like, if he co-wrote if it, you, why is his name so, little, his on so little on the title little, Yeah, I have questions. But Grady Hendrix co-wrote this this anthology. It's similar to like a, like a coffee table book about. 70s and 80s like those paperbacks, horror like, novels. Yeah, it goes it goes really deep into those those subgenres like splatterpunk, like Clive Barker, like those those horror. Clive Barker's, like a good version of splatterpunk, but there's some there's just so many bad some versions. garbage splatterpunk that's so interesting. I do want to say with that, and this is why I liked that paperbacks from hell is because that's where Stephen King came from. And that's why I think people think he wrote his best work in the 80s. Because that was when he had all those, pa- like, the paperbacks in the grocery stores. Yeah. Well, and he was writing... And he did that commercial that for American Express. That was a lot Express. of people... You know, I some similarities that I've noticed about people who wrote in, like, the 70s, 80s, 60s... I, went back, I said that really out of order, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that a lot of them also had stories in, like... Esquire, oh, Playboy, yeah, things like that, and that's where people were getting like a huge launching pad for stories. Um. At that time, anyways, that's not the point. The point is that when we talk about Grady Hendrix, this man must have a fount of knowledge. He's Even the Southern, the Southerner's Guide to Slaying Vampires went into a lot of that, like Southern women culture this is a man writing really well about women that is not something but that you, you come know, across but often. it was my best friend's exorcism happened in the same town oh, oh, and it did oh, oh, tap wait now you want to talk about my best right, friend's exorcism right. i don't think tell it's the strongest one let me tell you podcast audience <laughs> i read my best friend's exorcism i don't know maybe five years ago something like that no five, five like years? four years ago three i stand corrected Three years ago. <laughs> but I saw it four years ago, and it piqued my interest. But you know what? I saw it at this tiny independent books bookstore, and I went and I asked about it because I had a poster. And I was like, hey, do you guys have that book? She's like, no. We just have the poster. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> do I just have weird encounters with yes. bookstore people? Yes. Anyways. uh, I'm just trying to get I'm already telling you where your sunglasses inside I had to ask a direct question. (laughs) So the point is that when I first read this book, I was like, dude, I love this book so much. I thought it, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was really good. I thought it poked enough fun at like Pentecostal Christian culture. I was into it and Denise did not care for it. I read the first five pages three times and I, I put it down every time. But all of a sudden she likes Grady Hendrix. Interesting. I still don't think <laughs> I'm glad I started because I started with the book talk one, Southerner's Guide. And I think that was a good one to start with. Because then it eased me in because then I think the next one I read was Horse Store. Well, and so the point is that we're making is that Granny Hendrix has
1: A many wealth of horror knowledge. novels.
0: And not a single one of them have been similar. Each of them have different, completely different characters, settings, themes. He reinvents himself like Lady Gaga on oh every, every album. Every, every album. So you every book release, he's something new. Me and Lady Gaga Love Affair. I freaking love the Chromatica album. I wanna dance in Palm Springs when COVID is over. Over. Not dissipated for a little bit. When it's <laughs> o- when it's over, it actually like I don't have to wear a mask. I want to dance in Palm Springs under the lights to the I, whole Chromatica okay. album. I agree, but about the Joanne album, I freaking love with Joanne the too. exception of like no, I want to drive in that the Conde desert. Mama I want to drive in the that song. desert to the Joanne album. Then oh, when we arrive at yes. Palm Springs, I want to dance to the Chromatica album. If you are a Lady yeah. Gaga fan, we are a home who loves her. We think she's gorgeous. We think she's hot. She's a great artist. Yes. But the point is that I'm excited about that Gucci thing. Oh, I know. Me too. The House of Gucci. Yeah. This man reinvents himself. He has done a little bit of everything. And I just really appreciate that. Because you're not reading the same thing over and over. I would say with, like, Stephen King... I love Stephen King. But I wouldn't say that he goes through such a process of reinvention every time. If you read a lot of Stephen King's novels, a lot of his novels are set in Maine. Well, you know and he's I mean? created his universe there. He's created a universe there. Greedy Hendrix said, "Fuck a universe, I'm gonna create several universes." And the only two that were the same were Best Friends Exorcism and Southerners Guide. Mm-hmm. And even those, it wasn't even like they, they directly so, touched on so each other. Wildly different. Because, and I think he put it best was that one's happening in a teenager sphere mm-hmm. of like perspective, and another is. Adults. Right. So we have the final girl support group, and I like the universe that he's created here. Oh, um, very interesting to have the idea that these final girls are a real thing in the real world, and so real, in fact, that you can have a support group for them, but then you have them as very influential people. And almost right. in their own way famous, but like not famous. So real, in fact, that they are still very really <laughs> dealing with the trauma. Yeah. Of being a final girl. And speaking of trauma, I just want to talk a little bit about Lynette's story. Oh, because her story. It's awful. Takes me in a hundred well, and six different I... emotional and directions. Her is am. the most described. Yeah, and and just for reference, Denise and I. We're twins. We mentioned that. We have the big three. All water signs. signs, All water signs. All water signs. So a Cancer Sun, a Scorpio Moon, a Pisces Ascending. And I just, I get really emotional. I cry on the drop of a hat. And I think Lynette's story did not only bum me out. It made me sad. (laughs) So her story, here's what it is. She was the Santa Claus killer. I think that was the killer. If not, I paraphrase something in my mind. But that was the basis. Again, most similar to Halloween. She was home. Her parents had gone out for Christmas Eve. She's watching her little sister. And her little boyfriend comes over. They're going to do a little bit of the nasty... Or, like, something like close to it. Mm-hmm. And he brought her a present. It's very romantic. You're thinking, like, teenage love affair. So cute. And there's a knock on the door. She goes to answer it. And this guy who escaped from a psychiatric hospital comes in with an axe? Yes. Or a knife. I think an axe. Something sharp. Slaughters the boyfriend. Takes her physically. Picks her up. Hangs her on the wall on a pair of antlers. Which is horrifying. Like, literally through her stomach. Hangs her on these antlers. Sister comes downstairs, slaughters a sister, a neighbor comes over, if I'm not mistaken. Kills the neighbor. I feel like there was a neighbor involved, I could be wrong. Potential neighbor came over, he kills the neighbor, and then he kills the two parents. All of this is happening, and she's alive and watching it. Right. But... But she's playing possum. She's playing possum. And really, if you think about it, how many people are going to be like, hey dude, I'm alive? Because the end result, and this is what you kind of see in this, is like, she could be killed... And then her sister will be killed anyways. She could She'll die with her family yeah. or she'll be the only one who lives while she watches her family die. And she Those are her choices. Ladder. She chooses the latter and he is killed when a sheriff comes in and kills him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Because continuing from that story, so we see that whole thing. She's a hospital victim, whatever, whatever, whatever. The sheriff's like, oh, yeah, dude, we're cool, we're cool. I'm going to help you through this. Then we're he going to have an for, affair. He helps her for years. And then as soon as she's an adult, they start having this gross affair. Mm-hmm. And he's just like using her. And it's not the age gap that bothers me. It's and that, that it was. Me. Well, it bothered me because Because he definitely used it to leverage the power, his authority as a sheriff, and then his age, and then his, and then the fact that she didn't know shit about shit. So he was like, it was almost like a Stockholm syndrome though, because she was like, oh, this guy helped me so much, and then all of a sudden he was in charge. This man who was law enforcement was suddenly in charge of helping her with her straight to VHS final girl movie. Right. No, I just that guy sucks, and I also think. That adds into like Lynette's continued like hyper vigilance, so we have Lynette's story, and again Grady Hendrix blows me out of the water. I almost feel like the affair between her and that guy didn't need to happen, but it did need to happen because it added a layer of like complexity. There are so many emotions that go into that, but you as the reader feel so many things when you're just th- you just think about it. You're like, ah, oh, God that went wrong in only so many directions and it keeps getting worse i as a reader i felt like fuck this guy just and that was just my main emotion yeah no that's uh, totally fair but he was important to the how the book turned out yeah he was important and we hate him yeah i actually had mixed emotions toward him i didn't i did hate him and I know we're talking very vaguely. It's, beca- it's one of those things you have to read the cut book. Off the bullshit. We're not going to get. We're not going to tell you the whole plot. I think that's cheap. The whole point of this, and I feel like maybe this is your drive to the podcast, is to make you want to read the book, not necessarily. And if you read the book, to hear people who read about it and talk about it and love it. Mm-hmm. So another thing Grady Hendrix does as an author, and it just does it for me, is he, has almost this like multimedia use in his books. I, you know, I thought I grew out of picture books and shit like that. But I didn't because he uses diagrams, he uses like the therapist notes, he uses all kinds of stuff that adds just a more appealing factor to his books. I just think that it adds a layer of believability, like credibility, to your story. Because he makes it so real. In the final girl support group, he adds in the therapist notes. He also adds in movie reviews, newspaper articles, different things of that nature that add to the story. Because remember, we're talking about girls that, you know, supposedly in this universe lived real lives and then had movies based off of their, their stories. The multimedia use just really builds, world builds for me. It's world building without... Having to be too strenuous about it, you gotta, you get what I mean, like. One time, Denise dated a man who world built in his head. Oh my God, he did. You know, here's my thing. I didn't think that was that wacky because I always assume people have other secret lives in their heads. Like Do people. You want to talk about your secret life? No, but I assume people like have like imaginary, like Walter Mitty. Have you ever read this short story? Please don't ask me if I have ever read... Yes, I've read Walter Mitty. Well, I read it by accident one time. I wasn't trying to. I liked it to. so much. I like the, the movie, movie? With Ben Stiller, too. No, I like both quite a lot. Yeah, okay. Well, I assume that was just, like, normal for people, so I was fine with that. It was him snorting cocaine that I had an issue with. <laughs> for me, the multimedia use is a way to build a universe without, you know lord of the rings in it where it's just so dense mm-hmm. and too much and the books are hard to read you read 25 pages about oh that my,
1: what the is pony? it a donkey
0: the pony the oh my pony. god what's this new? fatty <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute i want that was the only part of the world building i like if i was a lord of the rings character uh-huh i would be the the pony fatty lumpkins that leaves at the beginning <laughs> i wish i could have left at the beginning i read that whole fucking trilogy and didn't understand a damn word i did read only 15 pages about fatty lumpkins and i was like i'm out (laughs) there's it's so dense it's so dense so denise would you recommend this book to whom would you recommend this book and then why um, I would recommend this book to small children <laughs> or, like, reading aloud to your pet the at extreme night. extreme elderly. Um, you know, perhaps someone born in 1909. <laughs> I, would, I, just, I would recommend the you book. You know what gets stuck in my head? <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. Bezos. Okay. I can, anyways, sorry. Um, I would recommend this book if you're looking for a horror novel... That is not, you know, your typical demon in the basement, haunted house, roller coaster, ghost story for sure. Ghost in the roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm stuck on roller coaster. Um, it's or just not ghost with Demi Moore and
1: yeah, Patrick if you're Swayze. so, if you're
0: looking for the complete opposite of that vibe, this the is Swayze. it. The opposite of that vibe would be Roadhouse with also Patrick Swayze. <laughs> I, you That's know, I haven't seen that one and I didn't like Ghost. I need you to get out. <laughs> I love Ghost. No. Um, okay. Do you want me to talk more about the Redhead villain? Because I will. <laughs> so, the real question what yeah. everyone's waiting for. Who would you recommend the book to? Yeah, because if we... And let me just make it clear that it's Denise speaking to Marissa asking her. Yeah. If you didn't realize, I am the driving force. The person who, my opinion, is going to matter the most, ultimately, in your world, my world. Actually, anybody's really... Grady Hendrix. Grady Hendrix. Yeah. He's going to really call me up and be like, thanks for reviewing this. Okay. But <laughs> the important thing is that I would definitely recommend this to anybody who likes scary movies at all. Um, it riffs off so many classics and it use so, uses so many classic, like, storylines that I think you will readily love this. And it's it's so original in its own way, also, while using these very, like, classic storylines. has such an original touch to it that you don't feel like you're reading a rerun of something that you've seen before. So I think any, I really, I really truly think this is a good audience for if you already like horror stories. Um, and if you are someone who's maybe a starter, starter horror story, I would give this, I would give this a whirl. I'd give this a little, little, give you it a dance. You know who I, I, you know, you know who I'd actually recommend this to? Mm. Um, people who liked hereditary. People who liked mm. not the horror aspect of hereditary, But everything else that went around, the demonic presence of hereditary. If you actually maybe just like Toni Collette, (laughs) then maybe you will Um, also like this. I would say if if you you liked her clothes in that movie. Yeah, if you liked her clothes, if you like Gone Girl, if you actually maybe like Rosamund Pike. I do. (laughs) Sexually. No, we know. (laughs) We get it. So we also talked a lot about Grady Hendrix as an author, and I have a different list than you. Mm -hmm. Mine is better. But I have a different list than you of what I would recommend the people if they were to do a read of his books. Not all his books, though. No, but a short list of, I would say, major books. I know that I would start with... My best friend's exorcism. I love that book. I thought it was such a good book. I would also follow it with the Southern Southerners Guide to Slaying Vampires, and then we sold our s- souls, and then Horror Store, and finish it off with the Final Girl Support Group. There is no rhyme or reason to my list. Yeah, it's a funky ass <laughs> order. Like mine has like I a like internal have, logic. No, there's no logic. It goes by my heart how I felt right now in this I moment. Think I, was, I think it's fucking weird. My heart. I was following my heart. I think it was, like, last time I asked you this, it yeah. was different. You keep changing it. It will be ever-changing. Like if you ask me in ten more minutes, I won't remember what I said, so I will make another list. I will, because I think it's weird as fuck that you have horse stories number four. Mine is his weakest Driven to... Driven by a logic, apparently. <laughs> Just like I have, you know, mine is weakest to strongest, and when I say weakest, I don't mean they're bad. They're None of his I've bad. I haven't read anything crappy by him. I just think he has gotten better. As and, an author, yeah. As an author, so I would start with Horse Store, My Best Friend's Exorcism, The Final Girl Support Group. I think that's a crime. The Southerner's Guide. Mm-hmm. We sold our souls. I'm going to disagree with you entirely. Well, and here's my thing. That's my opinion, okay? It's about On what are the weakest to the strongest. Because I feel like some people would argue with me that either Final Girls or Southerner's Guide are his strongest. For sure. Yeah. And I I simply don't agree. I don't remember the list as I originally put it. So (laughs) I'm going to say that I disagree entirely with your list. But thank you for listing it. Um. Yeah, and I think that if you are someone who's interested in Grady Hendrix at all, those are good novels to start with. They're not, it doesn't, it's not every single thing he's written. Well, obviously, because there's paperbacks from hell, but then there's also one called, like, Satan Loves You. That's, yeah. like, from 2012. I think that's when it was earliest, if mm-hmm. not his earliest. Yeah. But we, we haven't read it. Shh. It's not available on Amazon. It's, I can't find whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, Whoa. I just looked because <laughs> I was, <laughs> you know, you looked in one place. <laughs> she said I looked in one ex- exactly one website. Okay, I don't want to be accused of killing the book selling industry, but I only get my books from Barnes and Noble and Amazon or thrift, books. thrift I, books. I don't think I think thrift books is good. Thrift books sponsor me yeah if you're thrift book just throw me a ten dollar gift card that's about what i spend every week <laughs> i feel like i have a hard time with people auditorily like verbally tell me things because i don't understand what you're saying there was one time i went to portland one time i went to portland when i went to portland <laughs> <laughs> the one time <laughs> yeah the one time there was a guy and i was out i was at a coffee shop asking him like well, what do you recommend you live here whatever And he kept saying... I can't even tell you right now what the name of the mountain was. He kept saying to go visit it. And I had him repeat it three times. And I literally could... I, like, was like, I have no idea what this man was saying. He told (laughs) you to go on a hike? Yes. That's what... It's... Yes. Don't complain. Too late. (laughs) It's already... It's super foresty out there. But... I just, I, like, I have such a hard time verbally hearing things, so I will list them in the description of this podcast. And we just want to thank you, audience, for listening to us and giving our podcast a chance. This is our first one, so it was a little bit rough. We are cleaning it up, but also, sorry, not sorry, hashtag. So we are going to be coming out with another podcast The next book we're going to be looking at is going to be The Other Black Girl, a science fiction take on black women in corporate America, and it is amazing. It actually kind of crosses into other genres. Definitely. Not kind of. It definitely crosses. It's, I would actually say it's an umbrella social commentary that has a lot of sci-fi mystery thriller Mm -hmm. and some horror aspects. I think that's the beautiful thing about a really good novel is that you have more than one genre yeah and we're going to be touching on that next podcast um but thank you so much for giving us a listen from the bottom of my heart me and my dogs we thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed our melodic voices and, and we hope the sounds of back. scratching against oh, the door God. and we hope you come back for our next podcast okay bye <laughs>